Hey, it's Jordan. I'm delighted to be joined by Michael Lighty. Uh, you're a fellow at the Sanders Institute, and uh, although uh, you should be on CNN, MSNBC, quoted all over the place, you've been studying and uh, lecturing about uh, Medicare for All for probably like 20, 25 years uh, before it was Medicare for All, when it was single payer and all those things. So uh, I, I wanted to talk to you because um, obviously Bernie Sanders got, you know, if he was lucky, a minute the other night. Um, but Joe Biden uh, has really been pushing kind of Reagan-esque fear-mongering, I think, as far as uh, Medicare for All, uh, how Reagan, you know, fear-mongered of the doom of things like Social Security and Medicare. Uh, one, I'll start with this. He's putting out, if you eliminate every single soldier, tank, satellite, nuclear weapon, eliminate the Pentagon, it would only pay four months of Medicare for All. Um, so I want to start with that, because that's scary uh, if, you know, you're somebody, the, the generally uh, informed, but not paying a close attention to this. Um, it basically is the entire military uh, taking that out, not going to put a dent in paying for this. It's so bizarre, Jordan, this debate. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, because there's this question about what does healthcare costs, what do we as a country pay for healthcare? And then there's the question of, well, what does the federal government pay for healthcare? And it turns out that the federal government, when you combine what they pay, what the state governments pay, and all local governments pay, either directly for benefits, but mostly as subsidies to buy private insurance, that adds up to 60% of the total spending on healthcare. We're spending over $3 trillion a year on healthcare. Most of it public spending, we're not getting our money's worth. That's where it should start. So then the question is, how do you pay for guaranteeing health care to everybody? Because we're not doing that now. Everybody knows there's 29 billion people who don't have insurance. So what do you do? Well, the best and easiest way is to eliminate all the waste and inefficiencies of having all these insurance companies, all these payers, and just do one payer, single payer, Medicare. Put everybody in that system, negotiate rates, lower drug prices, eliminate the bureaucracy, boom, you guarantee health care to everybody. That's what, as you say, Senator Sanders didn't have a minute to say, really, on, on the debate stage. Instead, they make up all these false comparisons. Oh, we're going to, it's bigger than the military budget. The truth is, we're paying that now. The question is, how do we pay less and control costs going forward? And what portion of that should come in the form of tax subsidies or direct payment to providers? These are very straightforward ways. The biggest barrier to care, of course, is what we pay out of pocket. Senator Biden's plan maintains huge out-of-pocket costs. Senator Sanders' plan eliminates them. That's a barrier to care, gone. No premiums, deductibles, co-pays, nothing. So let's start with that premise. You're not paying any of that. You're going to pay some taxes instead of all those premiums and co-pays and deductibles. That, those taxes will be a fraction of what you're paying now, period. And what uh, you you mentioned something that I think Bernie talks about a little bit, but certainly no one in the media does. What are we paying right now, and what is that <laughs> forecasted up for ten years? Because exactly. we're paying a lot for less. Um, what is if you expand Obamacare and put a public option? What does that cost? I don't hear any of the cost comparisons. I just hear how much this is going to be. But Joe Biden's plan, generously uh, or I think it's an understatement, says 10 million will remain un uninsured. But 
How, how does he guarantee there's no price controls for insurance companies? They could still do what they're doing now. Am I, am I incorrect? You are not incorrect. You are totally correct. There's no price regulation on anything. You know, this study came out uh, last week, Jordan, that identified what's the biggest administrative waste in the present healthcare system? What's just the biggest waste? And they said price administration. Because prices are all over the place, trying to figure out what you pay or how to pay or how to get reimbursed. That wastes nearly a trillion dollars a year. What we're paying now for healthcare, over three trillion. 3.1, 3.2 trillion dollars. Senator Biden never says that if you just extend Obamacare, like the Center for uh, Medicare and Medicaid studied, it would cost $50 trillion over 10 years. <laughs> so when he goes around saying, oh, it's $30 trillion, $32 trillion, yeah, it's cheaper. Right. Sorry, and, Joe. And uh, you talk about, you look at Elizabeth Warren, clearly she's got some consultants in her ear telling her, do not mention taxes will go up. Um I, I, to me, I mean, you either have the courage of your convictions or you don't. Uh, I don't know why it's so hard for her to just say, yeah, like every other country, you pay a little bit more in taxes, but you save a lot more. Um, do you feel she's being genuine? Because uh, it recently came out, obviously, that in her Senate campaign, she was a firm no as far as single payer. Uh, yes, and, and also we had the Harry Reid interview, you know, who, who made claims about that. Look, at, I, don't exa- I don't exactly know where Senator Warren stands. I know she's a co-sponsor of the bill um, uh, that Senator Sanders introduced. What I know is as long as Senator Sanders is here, she's a supporter of single payer, Medicare for all. What we do know is that Senator Sanders is unequivocal, and that's really kind of the bottom line when you talk about these comparisons. Who's going to fight for it? Who's going to make it a priority? Who's going to say, we're going to guarantee health care as a human right, no barriers to care? Once, once uh, you have that discussion, you, you clear the field pretty, pretty quickly, I think. And it is true that this middle class tax cut has become the issue. And that's because in American politics, apparently taxes are the only domestic policy issue we're allowed to talk about. And it's either, you know, it's whether it raises taxes. Well, the truth is people's taxes go up, they go down based on their financial situation. All we're saying is instead of paying premiums, co-pays, deductibles, you're going to pay a tax. Whether that raises your taxes overall, I don't know, but I can tell you this, it's a hell of a lot less than you're paying now for insurance. Right. And, you know, something that I find kind of maddening is Pete Buttigieg and, all the, you know, these more uh, establishment folks, you're taking away health insurance. You're taking away their choice from whatever, 160 million people. But they don't have a choice now. They're indebted to their employer or uh, whatever it is. And their employer changes their health care every year, most of the time for the worse, where they have to pay more into it. Uh, their employer has fairly rigid – their employer's provider has – this is who you could see in network. At a network, is, you're on your own. So they're making it seem like private insurance allows for all these choices when – I think if you poll most people in language that is makes sense, nobody is you know, bowing at the altar of private health insurance. I know, Jordan. It is actually it's laughable these these claims about private health insurance and choice. First of all, most counties have one or two insurance companies all over the you know all over the country. And these choices that um, Mayor Pete puts forward are false choices. 
people don't want to choose between Aetna and Cigna or even a public option or a Medicare Advantage plan. These are all private plans. Even the, the public option that he envisions has co-pays, has deductibles. You have to buy into it. And as you say, who's the one who chooses? If I want it and my employer doesn't, who decides? If I want it and my colleague, coworkers don't, then the employer is administering how many plans? I mean, you just think about it. It's, it's, it's a nice politically expedient line, just like the line that Hillary Clinton ran against Senator Sanders in 16. No middle class tax increases. That's why it was war against Medicare for all. And that through line you can hear uh, right into 2020. The bottom line on these, on these false choices is that if we maintain the multi-payer system with all these insurance companies and the employers and individuals trying to figure out how to choose plans, then we've just wasted the reform opportunity we have. Because what we should instead say is, folks, you're gonna, this is the new experience under Medicare for all. You're gonna go to your same doctor. When you get there, they're gonna just check you in and you're not gonna have a copay. And then when he prescribes something, you're just going to go get that prescription, and he's not going to have to get it pre-authorized because it's a done deal because it's doctor-run healthcare, and it might cost you five bucks or it might cost you nothing. And then when you add up all your expenses, you're going to get healthcare directly at that point. You're not going to put anything out of pocket as a deductible before you get care. And then when he says you need an MRI, you get an MRI. There's no hassle with the insurance company. That's the experience people are going to have, and they're never going to miss their private insurance. Right. I want to get into uh, private insurance because I think there's a little distortion going on. For example, Tulsi Gabbard, who a lot of progressives do like, particularly for foreign policy, has come out saying, uh, you know, Medicare, what is she calling it, choice, and you could keep your private doctor. Now, in Canada and other other single-payer uh, countries, private doctors do exist. But correct me if I'm wrong, the existence of private doctors is significantly different than a vast private insurance industry. So Bernie's bill does not outlaw private doctors. What it basically near, you know, basically nearly eliminates is the vast private insurance network. Can you kind of talk about the difference between those two things? Yeah, no, I think it's, a, it's an important point, Jordan, because – uh, the reality is, is that these networks that insurance companies set up restrict access to care, restrict choice of doctor. That's what private insurance does. That's what Medicare Advantage plans do. do. So again, when uh, Congresswoman Gabbard or Mayor Pete talk about these plans, they're ultimately talking about narrow networks that does not. So for example, they create surprise medical bills. What she's talking about here is it's very it's a very important distinction doctors can participate in the new medicare for all system or they can completely go out of the new medicare for all system and practice without any reimbursement from that system you're either in or out every patient's automatically enrolled everybody in nobody out but they too can say okay yeah i paid my taxes but i'm going to go buy this insurance plan or i'm going to sign up for a concierge doctor and i'm going to just go to that doctor and if i need to get into an acute care hospital this i will go on my medicare plan so that that is how it can work from a patient point of view from a doctor point of view you're in or out you can take payments from the system or you can take uh, private uh, payments and you can never double bill. If you get payment for an appendectomy, you can't then get private insurance for additional uh, reimbursement for that procedure. 
So you accept what uh, the system pays, no surprise medical bills, no networks. So basically Bernie's plan, uh, that's what Bernie's plan is. Like you can if you want, like if you're a doctor, you don't have to do it, but most would because that's where the customers are. The majority of people are going to be on Medicare, correct? Right, exactly. Everybody will be in it. And I mean, the truth is, this is the choice people care about. Can I go to the doctor? Can I get into Sloan Kettering? You know that Sloan Kettering is not on any um, Medicare Advantage plan. Wow. So the premier medical centers don't sign up for these HMO networks. And that's, that's the beauty of a, a system of every provider, every, every patient in, is that you have complete choice. It's real choice. We're talking about choice in the present system. Oh, yeah. Uh, Medicare for all who want it. I just lost my job like, you know, 60 million other Americans. Now what do I do? Can I afford Medicare for all? Oh, do I get a new job? What are they going to force me to have? That's not freedom. That's not choice. I would say that Medicare for all is the only reform that enhances personal freedom because you're free of a job that you're locked into because of health insurance. You can be an entrepreneur. You can grow a business. You can pursue your artistic dreams. Those are, that's the kind of freedom people value. You have your health. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, you, you're hearing these Kamala Harris. Uh, frankly, I don't even know what she's talking about. It doesn't make much sense to me. But if it was si- as simple as you could have uh, Medicare, but also the private insurance industry, wouldn't that have been done already? Isn't to have actual single payer, you can't have uh, duplicate care in the private yeah. health insurance industry. Right, because this is the difference. What do these plans have in common uh, in the center? Multi-payer. Lots of people paying for health care, lots of waste, lots of bureaucracy. And the, the insurance company CEO in the New York Times the other day, the former CEO of an insurance company, he was so refreshing. I don't know if you saw that, Jordan. He said, look, at insurance companies don't want to pay claims. <laughs> We're going to have single payer because it's a market that has failed. Mm-hmm. So we're in a, in a period of market failure. Some want to transition and enhance the power of profit-making insurance companies and probably uh, stick them uh, in the system permanently. Because you can imagine, under Mayor uh, Pete's approach, sure, the people who really need health care go into the public option, the Medicare system, if they can get into it. And then the young and healthy get these cheap junk insurance plans you know, that don't cost anything really, don't cover anything, they don't need it. So why would those insurance companies go away? That's not a glide path to single payer. That's a glide path to the entrenchment of the private insurance models and corporate silos of healthcare. Right. And I also would like to ask you on, I mean, out of the policy side and more on the greedy grubbers side, uh, obviously, you know, Biden's doing caviar and um, champagne all over the country, Wall Street bankers, pharma, all that. But wouldn't a healthier society be good business? Am I missing something? Wouldn't I understand that sick people and you know being a being on all these drugs is uh, profitable? But would it healthier outcomes also produce a health healthier economy and more productivity? Um, wouldn't employers be paying less if there was a government program because they don't have to pay uh, the amount of money per employee? Uh, th- this is not doom and gloom for business. No, it's not. It's not rocket science either. You're exactly right. The one of the um, most prominent funding proposals Senator Sanders has is for a payroll tax of about seven point four five percent. That's half or less than employers are providing coverage now. 
uh, spend. We can exempt small businesses, as he does. Small businesses now don't generally provide health insurance. Only It's funny, only 55% of employers actually provide it because most employers are small businesses and they can't afford it. Under Senator Sanders' plan, they might save as much as 22% of payroll. So it's extraordinary. Uh, GM knows that uh, in Canada they spend at least $1,500 less per car because of health care. They've moved production to Canada. You know, because right. the U.S. is too expensive. So there's what it is. It's 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 an interesting thing because health spending <clears throat> crowds out other economic activity. In fact, the biggest beneficiaries of Medicare for all are actually students and teachers and the education system, because so much of the public budgets are devoted to education. This would fund the health portion and free up literally tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. In Florida, it's like eight hundred million dollars for health for education. For the individual patient, of course, you're absolutely right. They are uh, not going to have the same kind of, of uh, barriers to care that is so prominent in the present system. And uh, my last question, you've spoken about this uh, all over the place. I'm assuming you've even met some right-wingers that like the idea of government-run health care. Uh, a lot of Trump supporters heard Donald Trump as a candidate say, this isn't very Republican of me, but, you know, we're going to cover everybody. Uh, I mean, there were people who said, yeah, I, I, I like the Affordable Care Act, but not Obamacare, you know. So when you actually poll people without the, you know, Frank Luntz fear mongering polling, but just like, are you for, uh, you know, a government system? Uh, most people, even a lot of Republicans, in some cases, a majority support this which is why I think they want to get rid of Bernie Sanders because they know he could defeat Donald Trump because there's a lot of crossover between even Donald Trump supporters on the Medicare for All issue. That's totally true. I mean, look at it. There's so many ways that that's true, Jordan. First of all, this, just as you say, uh, Trump voters who made less than 30,000 in 2016, a majority of them supported a federal guarantee of health care. Then you've got the Trump voters who basically are like, all these other folks got a good deal, but me. So we talk about guaranteed health care for all, not just for some, because the politics of resentment are driving this issue. And the resentment is somebody else is getting a tax subsidy, somebody else is getting a benefit, maybe their employer doesn't, but mine doesn't, so screw them. I'm not going to pay for somebody else when I'm not getting it. And that, those are, that's a real political dynamic at the heart of this issue. Medicare for all is the perfect antidote to that because it brings people together. It represents solidarity. It represents a sense that we're all of a kind, humankind, and it's rooted in a set of values around kindness and caring that you don't necessarily associate with Trump. But that doesn't mean that all those voters, you know, adopt his, his hate and there obviously is a segment, but we, there's a bunch of people we can bring together on this health care issue. I've been in Texas. I've talked to conservatives. One of my favorite uh, times was going before the Texas legislature and talking about a fiscally conservative and responsible reform that eliminates bureaucracy and waste and enhances personal freedom. Wow. You'd think Ted Cruz talk, w was saying that. <laughs> so... But that's, if you really think about it, that's what it does. We're not getting our money's worth with all these tax subsidies and wasted spending through the private insurance system. Eliminate all those multi-payers, all that bureaucracy and administrative waste. It's actually inefficient and fragmenting the system, driving up costs. 
and then have this personal freedom to pursue our life regardless of being chained to a health care plan. Right. And, you know, it's funny, John King, after the debate, said, ah, you know, AOC endorsing Bernie and the quote-unquote squad and Bernie, you know, is this too urban? Is this too internet? Um, well, 41% of the exit polled, those exit polled in the midterms, 41% top issue health care. You look at the Democratic primary polls, top issue over the economy, health care. So, I don't know. That but seems to be the... Yeah. No, I'll tell you, rural voters will not have a health care system unless we have Medicare for all because those hospitals are not profitable to operate in rural areas. They're the ones who don't have doctors. They're the ones who don't have health plan choices. They're the ones who can't afford uh, coverage. So this is, Medicare for all is a godsend to rural America. Michael Lighty, you should be on TV more, uh, definitely in the pages. Uh, you know, you got the Washington Post making this seem like tyranny, but I really appreciate it. We'll stay on, stay uh, in touch as the campaign develops, and I uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Likewise, Jordan. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed that last video. Hop on over to statusquo.com where you can sign up for our email list and become a member for as low as 5 to $10 a month. Membership is how we grow. That's statuscoup.com slash join. And remember, join our email list so we can grow the revolution with you.